Welcome to the B2B Podcast Stories, brought to you by GHA Marketing. Our guest today is Blake Oliver. Blake is the founder and CMO of Earmark and the host of the Accounting Podcast. Today, Blake shares his journey from a music major to leading a top podcast for accountants worldwide. Expect to learn how his passion for accounting led to advocacy and education through podcasting, how targeting a specific audience can lead to a thriving podcast business, and how AI tools help transform content creation. Also learn about Blake's app Earmark, which offers CPE credits to those listening to his podcast as a really easy way to make your podcast even more appealing to listeners. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show and we're going to keep bringing you amazing guests and stories all about the different ways that you can use your podcast to grow your business. And with that, here is Blake. Blake, thank you so much for joining us on the B2B Podcast Stories. We like to start by hearing a bit about your business and your story, but you have a very particular and interesting one. So how about we directly dive into the podcast, which actually somehow led to the business. Please tell us your story. What's your podcast and what are you doing? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to share it. Uh, so I am the co-host of the accounting podcast, which is the number one podcast for accountants in the world. We broadcast every week. We live stream now, started doing that earlier this year. Uh, we broadcast every week and talk about the accounting news. We started five years ago when I started the podcast, there was no news-based roundup podcast. It was all interview podcasts in the accounting profession. And I'm a podcast listener myself, and I was getting sick of just hearing only interviews. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but <laughs> if that's all you've got, then, uh, you know, it's the same people doing the same interviews on the same shows over and over again. So we started this news roundup. Uh, it was while I was employed. And so it was a side project. And, uh, I found my co-host, David Leary. He was my sixth guest and it went so well. We just decided to keep doing it together, uh, for the next, uh, five years and it's, it's growing, um, slowly, as you know, podcasting is a kind of slow growth type of thing, but we've developed a loyal following. And a couple of years ago, I quit my day job to focus on doing the podcast full time. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the background of it. Um, I'm a CPA certified public accountant. Mm -hmm. So. My co-host comes from the technology world, David Leary. He worked into it for 20 years. Uh, and so together we kind of represent both sides of the accounting profession at this point, which is highly technological now. So we've got the, the tech side with David and we've got the accounting side with me. Um, I have my own small accounting firm. I worked at a big firm. I worked for a couple of technology companies myself. So yeah, that's, that's my background. That's actually pretty cool. So lots to unpack here. Let's, uh, let's start with one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning, because I don't think we touched upon that uh, in the podcast yet, or very briefly. Livestream, how does that work? Uh, so we use a platform called StreamYard, and it allows us to record the local audio and video, and also live stream to YouTube, and to LinkedIn, and to Twitter, and to Facebook, and they're adding more. I think they just added Instagram. We haven't done that yet. What's great about it is that, you know, we get live listeners, live feedback and StreamYard brings all the chat in from all these different platforms into a single feed for us. And we can actually put those messages on the screen. So, you know, it's kind of like Twitch, uh, in that <laughs> sense, right? You, you, you get people who like to watch the show and come on and give you feedback and it, it just adds a lot of energy 
Um, and it also, uh, the other benefit is that uh, we don't edit as much as we used to because when it's just the two of you, you can make mistakes and then mess up and you say, oh, we'll fix it in post-production. But when you're live streaming, you just have to roll with it, right? So it's actually streamlined our whole post-production process. Absolutely awesome, yeah. man. So that, that's great. Do you, do you get lots of interactions? So I'm interested in understanding because that's a whole, actually it's a whole different world than podcasting. Yes, of course you have bridges and you can, you can make the link between streaming and live streaming actually, and uh, podcasting and transform this episode into a podcast later. But in, by nature, it's a very different exercise. And as you say, you're live, so mm -hmm. you need to have a certain structure script. You cannot, well, actually, apparently you do potentially make mistakes during the recording and just say, oh, well, let's roll with it. That's, that's quite interesting. How have you seen the dynamic change between recording episodes, how the audience responds, and when you started to get into live stream where people could ask their question directly, typically engage with you, uh, mm -hmm. point out certain stuff. What's the difference in the dynamic and how do you juggle with both of those? It's just a lot more energetic. Um, like, okay. and, and putting the comments on the screen, I think just engages our listeners more, makes them feel like they're part of the show. Uh, sometimes they'll give us ideas for topics and we'll get a whole segment out of a single comment. And you know, we've always had listener mail. We've always given out our email address so that people can write in and we've put that, discuss those on the show, but now it can happen in real time. So yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, I recommend it. it, it and, and, you know, YouTube is the biggest growth platform for podcasting. So now our show is instantly on YouTube and that's where our audience is really growing. You know, we've got thousands of subscribers now on our YouTube channel uh, and it's been good. Like I, I, it added and it took no extra effort to do that because we, we live stream the recording session and then we take the, you know, like we don't just put the live stream audio into the podcast. We actually edit it. So it gives, it gives people two different places. Like if they just want the raw unedited version, they can put us up on a second screen on YouTube while they're working, which is what most accountants tend to do. Mm -hmm. And then if they want the podcast version, which is more polished, they can do that and they can do that while they're doing something else. So it's a, it's, yeah. it's different for everyone, right? It, it, it appeals to multiple listener types. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, you tap into potentially not a whole new audience because I suspect you just bring people from your podcast onto the live stream, but then you also have the opportunity of getting an, an additional traction on another platform and other means of producing your show. Super interesting. Another thing you mentioned is that the show is slowly growing. I think that's uh, the very least we can say, given your mm -hmm. art 430 plus episodes, something like that. So um, tell us a bit about the story on how you built the podcast. Because so five years ago, I understand you started. Uh about five years ago, yeah. Like you said, 400 and something episodes. We've done it every week without a break. Okay. Uh, sometimes we've recorded two, so we could take a break, but it was really important <laughs> us to be consistent. Um, yep. And that's what you see with podcasting, as you guys know. Most podcasts don't make it past 10. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of podcasts don't make it past 100. And it's hard to even know if you're going to be successful until you've hit 100 episodes. So, um, and for our first, you know, 100 episodes, maybe we had 100 listeners. It was not a lot, but it was enough to make me want to keep doing it. And I think the important thing is you have to have fun. So we did it because we just wanted to talk to each other about what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was fun to learn how to do audio editing and all that and video editing. So yeah, it was, it was slow. I mean, it, but at this point now we're, we are up to about 10,000 monthly listeners is my estimate. I think a typical episode gets, you know, in the first 30 days, 3000 
downloads, mm-hmm. which might sound like not that much, but there's a long tail of podcasts out there, and it's enough downloads to get us in the top 25 on the Apple Business News charts. So we're up there with shows like Bloomberg Tax and Accounting Today. <laughs> we actually rank higher than those shows on the on the on the news charts, the business news charts. And and every now and then we'll bump up into the top 10, and we're with shows like Planet Money and the Wall Street Journal podcasts. And so. Uh, you, you don't have to have like this massive audience of millions when it comes to podcasting. I think the 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 whole like YouTube down the YouTube watch metrics or mm-hmm. the the view metrics are deceptive because somebody can watch your video on YouTube for like three seconds and that counts. Or I don't Correct. know how long it is, but it's like maybe a minute, right? And you have this whole hour long episode and that counts as a view. Mm-hmm. But on a podcast, like when people download podcasts, they have to actually be listening to them for that to really mean something because Apple now, after like three episodes where you don't listen, they, they stop downloading them. So like, it means that people are really listening to a podcast. So anyway, it's like this small niche audience, but um, you know, it's also valuable because it's accountants and a lot of accountants who own their own accounting firms. And those are high net worth individuals and um, they buy a lot of software. So. Okay they are a valuable advertising audience and that's how we were able to quit our jobs and do this full time because you know if, if if a software company targeting small accounting firms can reach several thousand of them every single week like that's a that's really valuable they go to conferences and they don't reach that many people 100 percent. that's something we had to figure out as well like there is such a poor in the niche podcast that people are underestimating which is yet so powerful and so meaningful. You're speaking in the ears of somebody who is like super niche down on a topic that is listening to an accounting podcast. And our first podcast with Usami is a treasury podcast, corporate treasury podcast. So here again, very niche, and we're not going to make millions of dollars per episode. However, the fact that we are able to propose a target audience who is directly into a very niche, who is taking the time on their personal time to listen to a treasury podcast. That's so powerful. So you need a big audience. You just need a consistent publishing of episodes and a consistent audience that comes back and come back. Yep. But so tell us a bit more about this, Blake, because so far we have interviewed quite some podcasters. We never talked about news podcasts. How does that work? And like for my very uh, humble and, and modest opinion of not knowing a lot about accounting, um, I can't imagine that the, the US gap changes every week. So no. how does it how does it work talking about news and accounting? And, how do you explain the success of this podcast? So it, it started with a newsletter that I was writing. I had an email newsletter and those are pretty common news roundups. Um, all the AI ones that popped up recently, they, they, you know, here's the top five things you need to know about X that that became very popular. And then I saw that more and more people were doing this. And so that's kind of why I got out of it is because I didn't want to be in this crowded field and podcasting seemed natural and it was. I was having trouble getting the newsletter out every week, but I felt like if I had a co-host and we could just talk about the stories, then it would get out every week. It would just be easier because I'm not a good writer, I'm, but I'm a good talker. So, so they sort of fit my personality and the way it works is throughout the week, every day when I'm having my coffee, I save stories uh, into notion. I use notion as my database of articles uh, and I use Feedly as my feed reader. So I've subscribed to all the accounting publications to the Wall Street Journal. I've got Google searches set up for accounting. 
And you would be surprised just how much accounting news there is every week. Hundreds of articles that either directly or tangentially relate to accounting. So wow. it's actually really hard for me to pare it down to just a dozen stories every week. I've got like in my queue right now, you know, I've got 23 stories about technology that okay. are directly related to the accounting profession. And I'm only going to be able to talk about like a handful on the next episode. Blockchain and crypto, that relates to accounting. Uh, current events, you know, like uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's yeah. company is getting sued by the Hassam family from, I think they're from Kentucky. And um, they own Pilot, the um, massive okay. chain of, of, rest, of truck stops, you know. U.S. Steel, once the world's largest corporation, is being sold to a Japanese company. These these are kind of stories that relate to accounting because U.S. Steel, um, their their financial statements are often used as examples in accounting classes um, <laughs> because they're one of the you know uh, they were, were at one point one of the biggest companies in the world. And you can go back and you can look at their financial statements from you know 1910 and that sort of thing. Um, fraud stories, we cover that. We cover, oh, the future of the accounting profession, which is a big problem right now. That a lot of, Do you know, are you aware that there is a shortage of accountants? A massive shortage? I heard that. And the big yeah. four companies are struggling a lot in the US because of that. Yep. Uh, and, and the small firms are struggling the most because there's a sort of a trickle down flow of yeah. talent from bigger firms to smaller ones. And they can't find people to take over. And so these partners can't retire. And then we get our listener mail. So basically I have, you know, I'm just looking through here, like several dozen stories that I could talk about on the next show. So I collect them all into Notion and then I have Notion up in a, in a, like a Kanban board or in a table. I have different views that I can shift to so I can find stories. Mm -hmm. And then I have summaries in my notes. So I can very quickly just, if we need to move on to the next story, here's a story. Let's talk about this one. And it takes practice, but after five years, you just get really good at sort of like l being able to read and talk at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a skill that took a long time to develop for me. But it's sort of like, you know, I used to wonder how can like talk radio hosts talk for three to four hours a day? Yeah. And it's because they've developed this skill. So if, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, like that is a skill you will develop is this ability to read and talk at the same time and sound fairly fluent. Mm -hmm. in what you're talking about. Um, it's fun. I, I, yeah, so that's how that's I sense. do it. That's how I do it. Um, and and it's great because I don't have to prep much. Yeah. You know, if I do it every day for like 30 minutes or an hour, I'm reading these stories anyway, right? I need to stay mm -hmm. current. Then um, I've got what I need. So you pointed something super interesting here that I want to dive into. Uh, you're staying current. I see two main constraints with your with your model. The first one is, we know that, and you mentioned it at the beginning, podcast is long tail. Like yes. what you want is to have episodes that compound and like people are going to listen to them even years after they've been published. That's the power of podcast. And that's how you can correlate thousands, dozens of thousands of downloads a month for a niche podcast because of this compound. When you're news-based, how does that work? Because mm -hmm. if I'm getting into accounting, because apparently that's a promising career, given the shortage of it, you might want to like listen to the latest news, understand how it works, maybe hear about the latest tools or whatever is going to affect my work. I don't want to listen to a news from two years ago. So how does that work? And also my other question with that is, how do you keep up? Because you cannot record 10 episodes in bulk and then just be like, okay, I'm going on holidays for 10 weeks, guys. You need to 
keep on publishing episodes. How long does it take to record an episode before you can not publish it anymore? How do you handle those two constraints? Well, I mean, all of our episodes are still available from when we started. And I haven't gone back to listen to them. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it might be embarrassing. I don't know. Don't, but they still get downloads. Me, They're people. We've done that. It's not a good idea. <laughs> we have listeners. You know, I'm looking at my like downloads for the past 365 days. And there are people that are still listening to our original episodes. And going back and listening to episodes from 2018, 2019, 2020. I don't know why. They're downloading these, but they're listening and they're finding value. Yeah, so you bring up a good point, which is that when you are current events-based or news-based, your shows don't have as much evergreen value. And I guess that's just something that, that's just the downside of that format, right? There's there's nothing we can, uh, there's not much we can do well, about it. I would say that I, I would disagree. I think current events become history lessons over time and your insight of the news from five years ago i mean there was maybe a major fraud case back then that people want to learn more about they can go back and look at this is how it evolved it, they can go back and be like this is how it evolved over time week by week oh here's the update on that scandal here's what happened with that partner who embezzled those funds etc i mean you can go yeah, back actually, and like i said current events becomes history pretty quick there's a fun one we have an episode from january 29th January 27th, 2022. And the title of it is Crypto is a Scam. And we actually called it out <laughs> in that January 2022. Yeah. So to that, to the, to your point, you know, there is that. Yeah. I, think, I think just the benefit of, um, the benefit of news is that, so I produce some podcasts as well, like for others. And one of the biggest challenges is you run out of steam like after a year, it's it it it's hard to keep going. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And Amen. The current events format keeps it fresh always. And you're not struggling to book guests. Like that was the other thing that made us switch to this format is that booking guests is hard. It's hard to get them to agree. It's hard you don't know if they're gonna be interesting. Sometimes they're not, and then you have a crappy episode. You can't control that. When it's just me and my co-host talking about the news, it's very consistent. We know exactly how each other think about things. We can respond to each other. Uh, it reduces the editing. So, so that that was part of the reason is we just wanted we just didn't want to be dealing with having lots of guests all the time. So, Makes and we knew sense. that if it was news based, we'd have enough to talk about. And actually, yeah. we've gotten better. I mean, at the beginning, it would we'd have to, we'd struggle to fill twenty minutes, and now we struggle to keep it to one hour. So, <laughs> but Blake, I'll tell you. I mean, I think the thing that's very clear about your success is the fact that you're passionate about the topic, which is where I think you can have a topic that you talk about every week, one hour a week for five years. Is only if you just find it really, really interesting. And the thing is, if you find it interesting, there's going to be an audience out there that's going to find it interesting as well. Uh, and that's where I think people misunderstand about podcasting overall when they get started. It's like, oh, who's going to listen to a podcast about accounting news? Who's going to listen to a podcast about treasury? Who's going to listen to a podcast about uh, civil war history and in this specific part of the country? 
like yep. these topics, if they're interesting to you, they're probably interesting to a large uh, group of people. That's what the internet overall has taught us, is that there are niche interest communities everywhere. There's Reddit boards for the most niche things ever that have thousands and thousands of views or thousands and thousands of subreddits and thousands and thousands of people participating in them uh, for very innocuous topics. So in a globalized world where we have the internet that lets you distribute everywhere instantly, and just exploring your passions in a format with, and if you if you speak well, if you um, are able to condense information well, if you're able to riff off someone like you and your co-host do, then you make for entertainment out of something that people are already interested in. And you bring up a good point, which is that we care about it. And I'm very passionate about accounting as a career. I'm a career changer myself. I was a music major in college. I graduated into the Great Recession, and I couldn't find work. And so I got into bookkeeping. I started doing bookkeeping as a job and I found I really liked it and I like the stability of it. So now I play music for fun and I do the accounting as like my, my job. And I love, I love the job. And I think more people should be getting into it. And I find it shocking that we have a talent shortage. And this talent shortage is caused by all sorts of things that are messed up in the profession from a regulatory standpoint, from a business model standpoint that really make accounting not as appealing as it should be. And so I'm able to use our show as a platform to expose that and to advocate for change. And we have succeeded in doing this. We have people in the highest positions of leadership in the accounting profession coming on our show to discuss these issues. And these are conversations that used to only happen in conference rooms or boardrooms out of the public eye. And now we are bringing that to the world. And we, we are actually able, we have a big enough audience where we can demand that leaders come on our show and explain themselves. And I think it's changing the conversation. So we might actually be able to help solve this problem that the profession has where young people just don't want to become auditors. They don't want to become accountants. There was actually a story in the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, this, this headline is incredible. Burned investors ask, where were the auditors? A court says, who cares? So this is something that never would have gotten discussed before our show because all of the accounting media are like trade media that don't really do journalism. You know, they, they just print press releases and they, they parrot the views of the people in power. We are independent and so we can point this out and this will be my lead story next week. And I'm gonna talk about how because audit has been regulated into this thing that doesn't mean anything anymore. It's pass fail. Everybody passes their audit. That's why massive frauds happen and aren't detected. Um, we're exposing the, the underlying problems in the audit profession that no one in power in audit or leading the accounting profession really wants to talk about because it would require big expensive changes. And so here we are. Just two guys with microphones making, potentially making change happen. Because I, I, and I know it, it's starting to have an impact because I know that the people who lead state accounting societies and people on boards of accountancy are listening. And that, like, so podcasting, you know, it's not just a fun hobby. It can actually change the world in a niche where there hasn't been a channel for this kind of discussion before. But I'll just caveat that with, if you're consistent, if you can grow yourself to a platform, if you can uh, have good content, that's going to grow you. The audience that makes people listen 
and therefore makes the people that drive the change feel like they need to, they're held accountable to an audience. Um, but you, you did that after five years, right? Um, and exactly. it definitely can, but yeah. you have the marathon mentality and the, the muscle and stamina to be able to get this far, to be able to have that impact. A podcast is a business. A podcast is a startup. Most startups take at least 10 years to deliver any value to the founders. Think about that. People start a podcast and they think they're going to become famous next week or next month or in a year. It's not going to happen. It's going to take you, I mean, even the most successful startups take probably five years to achieve results. And then to really pay off, it's 10 years, but often more than that. You have to be committed to 10 years. It could take 15 or 20 years. And I've seen this myself having worked for technology startups. It is a long slog. It is not overnight success. So you have to have something that drives you to do it that's beyond just like numbers. If all you're looking at is those downloads day after day, you're going to get really disappointed really fast. Yeah. So that's, you, you got to have a passion. something. Yeah. But, I mean, you can still get the benefits quite early with podcasting. So, for example, um, your YouTube, your social media, you can reshare there. If you do have guests, you do have a few guests on, I guess, that repost. That helps a lot grow your channels and, and, and get you there just a little bit quicker. But the podcast itself, yeah, you're going to be in the... You're going to be the tens of downloads, yeah. well, the first few. It, if you're trying to use the podcast for like business purposes, that's a totally different, like like for your existing business, that's a different mm -hmm. model, right? You should have different objectives. In that case, I would say don't look at the downloads at all and view the podcasting as a way to create other content. Like you said, social media clips, perfect example, right? I could take a minute out of this episode and clip that and put that on my social media. And blog posting, like these days you can take a podcast transcript and you can give that to ChatGPT or to Claude and you can actually create blog posts out of your podcast episodes. And if you're a slow writer like me, I think that's a great way to create content. <laughs> so, you know, you gotta, you gotta like really think about why am I doing this thing before you do it. Or while you're doing it, you know, what's what's your objective? So, yeah. I mean, the why is incredibly important indeed. Now, you have your, let's say, podcast business model is a little bit more on the classical route, right? Which is that you grew an audience to the point where you got big enough to get sponsors, right? So tell us about right. that journey. Like, what? how did that happen? How did you land your first sponsor? Why did they come? What happened there? Well, really, we should have my co-host on to talk about that because we we divided up responsibilities which i think is an important idea if you have a co-host or you have a group is like nobody can do it all it's unfair if somebody does it all so i was always good with audio editing because i have my music background so i said i'll edit the episodes you go get the sponsors you do the business development so that was david's job and that's his background is doing like development for intuit he um if you use QuickBooks Online, you probably know that there are apps you can plug into QuickBooks Online to automate stuff. Like if you run payroll on Gusto, you can plug that into QuickBooks Online and, and pull in all that data automatically. He helped to build that store of apps, which is like 600 apps. So, so he had all the relationships already. So that was also 
like a key decision for me was when bringing on David was, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but those relationships were really valuable to us to get sponsors at the beginning when we were just this tiny show with a, you know, maybe a, a few hundred downloads per episode. So that's, if you have existing relationships, like that's my recommendation is, is use those to get sponsors and then find it. If you don't have that, those relationships as a, as a host, find a co-host who does and then split up the responsibilities. So I'm back office. He's front office. It works really well. Not very cool. And then you also uh, do CPE credits, I think for your show as well, right? Is that correct? Yeah. So that's the newest thing uh, is we have a lot of CPAs. We have a lot of certified management accountants, enrolled agents, people with licenses that have to get continuing education that listen to our show. And we had a few listeners ask us jokingly, Hey, I, I love your show. I learned so much from it. I should be able to get CPE for this. And accountants have to get the most CPE of any professionals. It's 40 hours a year or 80 every two years or 120 every three years. It's a lot, but it's about 40 a year. So just imagine one, one hour a week of continuing education. The problem is most of them do it all at the end of the year there. We are recording now and it's the end of 2023, right? Mm -hmm. There are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of accountants right now doing online courses to cram in all of their continuing education before the year runs out so they can renew their licenses. And I think that's just so stupid because they're not learning anything when you cram it in like that. So to solve this problem, we started an app called Earmark. You can go find it on the app store, search for Earmark, and you can listen to our podcast episode and then you can take a quiz and you can get your continuing education credit. And we had to, it sounds simple, but we had to go through a arduous process that took eight months to get licensed to do that ourselves. And now whenever we publish an episode, it becomes a self-study course on our app. Um, and that's, that's the long-term business that I want to grow because a, a business like that is infinitely scalable and can be worth I mean, the, the market for continuing education, 600,000 CPAs in the United States or licensed in the United States. There are tens of thousands of enrolled agents. There are over 100,000 certified management accountants. So now we're approaching like a million maybe, right? Mm -hmm. And then go beyond all of those accounting licenses and you've got lots of other needs. Lawyers have to do it. Nurses have to do it. So there really is like a billion dollar opportunity in continuing education and we can do it with podcasts. So that's, that's what I'm working on. So we've, we've been doing that for two years now. Um, I've been bootstrapping it. So the money from my podcast sponsorships goes straight into my app to my <laughs> developers. Cause I'm not a developer. I don't know how to code. So I have to pay developers to do it, but I've been able to bootstrap it without giving away equity yet. And next year we're looking at going out and raising some money doing an angel round and then just grow it from there and, and see what happens. But you know, podcasting is such a great way to deliver educational content. I mean, that's why people are listening to this show, right? They want to learn how to make a better podcast for themselves, right? They want to get into it. Uh, and I hate sitting at a desk and learning. I can't do it, <laughs> you know, especially, or a classroom. I'm terrible at classroom learning. Um, I find it too slow. I, I want to go at my own pace. And with podcasts, you can listen at 2x, 3x if you want. And that's how I listen. I listen at like 1.5 to 2x, depending on the speed of the host. So I can cram in twice as much education that I could in, a, in an educational setting, a classroom setting. 
I can choose which ones I listen to. I don't have to listen to every single episode. Yeah, it's it's totally untapped. I think podcasting for education and continuing education in particular. So I'm really excited about that. I'm passionate about it. It's it's just one of those things that like seems kind of obvious. Like why go sit in a conference room for eight hours to get your continuing education every year or, or a whole week? Some people do it for a whole week. And, you know, they'll 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 make the conference in like Orlando so you can go to Disney after or something like that. But it still is not a great deal if you ask me. Like I don't want to go sit in a conference room when Disneyland is right over there. <laughs> so from music player to CPA to podcaster to educator like that's quite a that's quite a stretch that's a that's a really nice story well you know the connection How do you... is the connection is that i yeah. so i graduated and I, i told you i graduated as a music major and i went into the financial crisis basically couldn't get work as right. a musician and i was i've always been good at standardized tests so i started tutoring <laughs> so that's the education background i was tutoring and then at this tutoring company i was working at the bookkeeper quit and i talked my way into his job <laughs> wait that's cool That, that's, that's the cool. connection. Wait a minute. Can you can you just talk your way in a, an accountant job? Do, don't, well, you, don't you need like a kind of certification to, to like just really, read the I, numbers? I would watch him working in his little office, you know, and I was not far away. I could see what he was doing. He was just entering checks into QuickBooks. He was just paying bills. <laughs> I was like, I could do that. How much does he make? And he was making, you know, 20 bucks an hour. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's, that's way bad. better than what I'm getting paid, you know? So... Like that, that, yeah. If, and this is why continuing education is so important. We have a huge skills gap in this country, right? We have people that go to school and they get these expensive degrees and they don't actually know how to do anything. And they just need people to teach them how. And we can do that affordably with podcasting mm -hmm. because I can sit here at home and I can record an entire course that might be more relevant, more valuable than a course you paid, you know, $300 per credit hour or $500 per credit hour you know, here, I mean, you know, education in the United States is just totally messed up. Uh, it's, it's insane. You know, I, I went to the most expensive college in the world. Uh, well, I don't know if it's in the world, but in the country. And I assume if it was the most expensive in the United States, <laughs> it was the most expensive in the world. I could be wrong. There's a but chance. It, it was the most expensive university in the world. When I went there, I went to Northwestern university, great school. I love my alma mater. I'm a, I'm a wildcat through and through, but for what I paid, You know, and what I got in a lot of those courses, it was sad. And now I can go on YouTube and I can watch a course, a 20-hour Stanford course that was recorded and put online by Y Combinator on how to start a startup. And that course was, I just, I just completed that, is watched through the playlist. Sam Altman teaches it, by the way. It's crazy. You can get the, the, the founder of OpenAI has a course on Stanford, a Stanford University course that's available for free on YouTube on how to start a startup. And so I watched it because I thought he probably has some good ideas and it's the most valuable education I've ever received for free on YouTube. I so need to check that out. It's incredible. The first, just the first hour alone. Uh, and he brings in all of these other amazing people like Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. He brings in the Airbnb guys. He brings in the Stripe guys. He brings in a bunch of Facebook, somebody from Facebook who was early on one of the Facebook founders. Like, just unbelievable talent and it's nine years old and it only has i, I think you know most of the like there's a lot on the playlist a lot of people haven't even watched through the whole thing and i'm like this is free 
<laughs> this is so starting um, anything's hard, right? So I mean, I can see why people haven't watched all the way through, and that's also where the disproportionate returns are for you as well, right? If it was easy, everyone would do it, and you would be able to do it. If Earmark was an easy thing to build uh, and to fund and to grow, uh, there would already be ten of them, right? Yeah. Uh, so the the competitive advantage you have is the fact that it's hard, and people don't have the attention span to watch uh, all these videos um, uh, to learn in that way. You know, the problem is that we don't teach people in school enough. I mean, there are great educators out there. Don't get me wrong, but like I think most traditional education is focused on transmission of knowledge. Memorize these facts, learn these rules and regulations, especially in accounting. What we don't teach people enough is how to think for themselves and also how to learn on their own. And I've always been somebody who got bored in school. So I learned how to learn on my own because otherwise I would go crazy. And so like, you know, I'm old enough now. It's so funny. I'm 40 years old. And now I, like, I finally got into the age where like I, I say shit and... <laughs> I, I think, oh my God, I sound kind of old because I'm like, I remember when Google came out, right? I remember, <laughs> I remember when we first got like the original Google website, which, you know, I went to when it first launched and I started searching on Google. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the entire internet. The entire, all the information in the world is now available via a search that like previously I could only access like my school's library that way. And that changed everything for me because now I can just learn how to do anything. And, uh, with YouTube, it's become that. You can learn anything on YouTube. I, I assume that you can learn how to do things on TikTok. Uh, I'd, I know people are searching there now. 30 seconds. Learn, you know, learning stuff. I guess I, it seems like a little bit short for me, but you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an old guy now, so like I'm on Instagram, not on TikTok. So I just wait for all the good stuff to come from TikTok to Instagram. It's like a filter, right? Yeah. You get the best of. Exactly, I'm uh, the same. But like, I think you and I are You can learn how to make now. cocktails. You can learn how to make really good cocktails if you uh, if you <laughs> follow people on Instagram, but uh, you know, like like there's so much good knowledge out there. If you just go look for it, um, you can find it. True, but that's the that's the challenge, right? About there is so much noise on the internet that finding the right resource to find the right skills is also tough. And this is where you come into play, Blake. You're like. Hey, I'm a trustworthy source of content and information around accounting. Yes. So when you will point out where people should go to learn more about accounting and get that continuous indication, they don't have to make all that research by themselves because they have a source of truth. Who is you, who is putting them in the right direction. And that's exactly what anyone can become now by being a podcaster is you can build up this True. reputation as being a trustworthy source. And I think it's going to be even more important now with AI search. Because Google search is going away, right? People are going to search with AIs. And who is the AI going to trust? Is the AI going to trust some random web page that might have also been generated with AI? Or is it going to trust a podcast transcript created by a real person? I think it's going to trust the videos and the podcasts because it's, it's, it's hard to fake that. Hmm. I mean, I could be, I could be recruiting a, an AI recruiting. I don't know if the term is right. I could be saying to an AI, Hey, create me a, a transcript based, a, a script, sorry, based on the latest news in accounting. Yes. And then I get another AI to read that script. And then I get another AI to impersonate a person, fake person to just like look in front yep. of a camera, reciting that script. And then all of a sudden I have a news podcast in accounting. Sorry, Blake, I don't want to scare you. Off all no, no, it's, it's true. And, and actually like people are doing that. There is a, a podcaster in accounting 
who has automated his podcast with AI. He cloned his voice using a tool called Eleven Labs, and now he he writes the script and he feeds that into the voice synthesizer and it creates the audio and he publishes the audio. Now the oh, joke so is that he. He's an accountant, so he already sounds a bit like a robot, so it works well for him. I don't think it would work so well for me yet. You know, it doesn't capture the nuances of my voice. So, but for him, it saved him time, he says. So we That's might get to that point as well. I don't know. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I can't look that far ahead, right? Yeah. 100%. I mean, you know what's amazing recently? I don't know if you guys, how you guys edit your shows, but like the thing that's changed our whole production process is Descript. You can edit now a transcript and edit the audio. So I was able to train um, an editor and he didn't have to learn how to use Adobe Premiere. And I can also review his work very fast because I can simply look at the transcript and see the edits and then review the edit points if I need to. It's, it's amazing. And that technology has only existed for like a couple of years now. So like the, the barrier to entry to get into this whole thing is so low now. I mean, like the microphone I have, I have an expensive, you know, you can see this here. I have an expensive Shure uh, microphone, the one that, you know, all the pros use, right? But I don't actually use it. The one I use is the like USB version because it just sounds good enough for podcasting and nobody can tell the difference. And like, you can get this for like $250 or something, right? Yeah. Like, and you can start with a podcast microphone that's like 70 bucks. It's like a Samson 2QU that we send to people. Who want to start a show with us that's like mm -hmm. 60 70 bucks sounds great 100%. you know you can use your webcam now uh you don't have to use a dslr you, like i mean the the most popular podcast in the technology space is the all-in podcast right those guys record on zoom it's it's <laughs> it's kind of annoying to me like i'm like come on guys just like do a little bit better audio quality. like it's so annoying <laughs> when they have bad audio but like people put up with it so yeah. The, the the thing that pe people get obsessed with the equipment, but they forget about the consistency. 100%. Yeah. So one thing I would add to that, Blake, though, is um, the barrier to entry is low and that we couldn't agree more. Like you can get into the space, you can get going, which is the hardest part, honestly. It's just like get going. Well, it's the yeah. first hardest part. I'd say people the second hardest part is to, exactly. So yeah. start it, like get the first one out and then stay consistent. The barrier to entry is low. I think though, when you want to reach a certain level of quality to like enhance a bit your production, you need to have this touch, this maybe a bit of a better gear just to get that beyond that 80, 20, you can get started. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more with you, but like well, right now we can see it. You have a, you have a quality, a qualitative camera. You have yeah, a, I, I, I've got the DSLR camera, you know, right. I've got the, and the microphone is like not the cheapest one and I've mm -hmm. got a proper boom mic set up and, you know, I know how to use the software. I guess I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't underestimate how much time it takes. Like when I started doing the show, mm -hmm. um, like even if I had Descript back then, it's, it was still like a day, a whole day for right. me to record and edit and post. It was like my entire Saturday. So, and that, that's also why a lot of people fail is because like, it's a lot of work. And so if you're gonna do it, especially if you already have a business, mm -hmm. if you're already a business owner, like, like I get a lot of accountants who wanna start podcasts come to us. And, and we've designed our whole production process around like, how can we minimize the amount of time you're spending on this thing? Because you're not going to keep doing it if it takes you half a day or a day every week. No. We need to just get you into the recording studio and out, and then everything else happens. So that's important, right? Is, is finding the right partner to, to make your show happen. 
And then just assume you're going to throw away the first 100 episodes. <laughs> Maybe you don't, right? At least the first 10, like they're going to be bad. Just, just accept it. Like, and, and you're not going to want anyone to listen to them. Like, but my first 10 are bad too. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Beast talks about this. You know, the YouTuber, Was he talks about how his first videos were just like awful. And you can go back and find them, I think. Yes, and yet his first video ever was on, I don't remember which game, uh, but like Mr. B's first video got 20,000 views from the get-go, which is what launched him. But then his next one got zero. And that's what exactly, exactly what he said. He's like, if you're starting a YouTube channel, upload your first 100 videos and then we talk. And very likely you're not going to get any views on those first 100 videos. But as long as you improve something, like if you improve something at every video, Video 101 will be something, and then you can get going, and then you can have something. He also talks about how uh, you shouldn't look at the downloads. Don't look at the metrics. Just make True. make videos that you would want to watch, right? And then you'll right. get the downloads. And that's 100%. the problem people have is they, they focus too much on the vanity metrics. Yeah. And again, on YouTube, you know, like, I mean, I've had, I've had friends of mine who will post like a viral reel that gets millions of views, but it does nothing for their business. Interesting. Because the people watching are not going to buy from you. So what does it matter if you have a viral reel that gets, you know, 2 million views? It, it, it doesn't do anything. In fact, it might just get you weirdos in your DMs, <laughs> right? That, which is distracting and annoying. So um, you're better off, honestly, with that, like, focused audience of people that actually, you know, want to buy something from you if that's the purpose of your podcast. Yeah. But ideally, it's more than just, you know, getting people to buy from you. Ideally, it's something you're passionate about, you want to share with the world. You know, I can't stop podcasting now because, like, we're making a difference. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. feel, I feel passionate about this thing. I, I feel like we're doing something good. Yeah. 100%. And so, Blake, let's get to this then. What would be your advice to people who have a podcast. So it's interesting because we mentioned the, the podcasters who are enabling their business, supporting their business through the podcast. That's not really what we're talking about here. It's more like creating a business out of your podcast. Yeah. So what would be your recommendations for those very people, either the people who already have a podcast, who started to get an audience into a niche, for instance, but who haven't nailed down the business model exactly yet. So you first started with sponsors. Now you're starting your uh, continuation education with the CPE credits. Where would you advise people to start when it comes to, okay, I have an issue audience, I have my podcast that got going for like one, two years. What do I do now? Listen to your audience. So if you already have an audience, get to know them, find out who they are, do everything you can to get them to talk to you. So give out your information, connect with them on social media, go find them in person. I went to (laughs) conferences. I went to accounting conferences for years speaking at conferences, talking to people, letting them know about my show, meeting listeners. And I got to know them and find out what's important to them and what do they care about? So I could talk about those things and have those, have them on as your guests, right? I think that's really important. Um, it's, it's, and if you, if you already have a business, like let's say you don't have an audience yet, which is most people, right? And you just have a business. Think about your podcast the same way you do about your business. If you have a successful business, it's because you focus on your customers, most likely, right? You get to know them, know what they need, fill their needs. Like obsessive focus on the customer is what makes for successful small businesses. Mm-hmm. You got to do the same thing with your show. Really think about before you do it, who is this for? Like, what do they get out of it? Podcasts are free to listen to, but it costs 
my listener their time. So why are they going to come back and listen every week? It's a, it's a lot to commit to. Well, the reason they come back to the accounting podcast is because we summarize the news so they don't have to read through all that stuff and they're better informed than their peers. And we're talking about issues that they care about, you know, yeah. and we're analyzing those issues in a way that they're not getting from anyone else. So, you know, that is that is the my recommendation. Think about your audience. Why are they going to listen to you? What are you giving them in return? And if you're not giving them something of value, figure out how you can. 100% love that. One of the things that, since we quoted him already, Mr. Bit says is like, don't talk about algorithm. Talk about the audience. It's not, yeah. oh, the algorithm didn't like my video. No, the audience didn't like my video. Yes. Like if you focus on that, focus on the audience, focus on your customer if you have a business already. Listen to them, talk about the things they want to listen, and then create your business model out of it. Whatever you do, don't spend your podcast talking about yourself because nobody <laughs> gives a shit about you, right? They, That's unfortunately so, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I've, of course, um, I guess I'm a guest on your podcast, so I can do that. But like, I don't talk about, you know, like on our news show, like David and I, I'll, sometimes we'll start the show talking about like what we did over the weekend. I'll usually just cut all of that from the podcast feed because nobody cares right and, and, and like you got to put yourself in their shoes yeah like it's it's yeah, yeah. could they agree more and so blake what would you say is the biggest challenge that you faced whilst growing your podcast that you're like people need to be aware of this and they will always come against this and they're gonna have to keep going so you said that they're running out of steam after a year would you say yeah. it's that and and if so how'd you get over that hump my co-host, his number one belief is like, you just can't stop. So there was a point where I wanted to take a break. And he said, Blake, we cannot. We have to do this every week. If we take a break, it'll be a two-week break, then a three-week break, and the podcast will die. So don't stop. It's just like working out, right? You get, you do something for a long enough and it becomes a habit. You just have to not stop. So just keep going. But then, you know, there's also a point at which you have to step back and look at your show and think, what am I doing that I could be doing better? Like, what am I not doing right? And you have to pivot. And that's hard, right? So you have to don't quit, but also try to figure out how to pivot your show so that it becomes better. And that's why talking to your customers is so important. Talking to your listeners is so important is you can find out what they care about. And um, it's the same thing with startups. Sam Altman talks about this, like the number one you have two jobs when you're a startup founder in the first year. Job number one is to make an amazing product that people want to buy. And two is to talk to as many customers as possible when they start using your product so that you can make it better for them. That's it. That's all you have to do. So apply the same philosophy to your podcast. And I didn't do that early enough. That was my mistake. Interesting. Can you can you get a massive amount of funding for a podcast? Like, have you have you heard of this? <laughs> like, in, yeah, investors. I would yeah. love to see somebody do a pitch deck to invest in my podcast. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> now the the podcast, but a podcast can be a great marketing channel for your business. Like, so I I didn't I started Earmark after I started the podcast, but now that's the number one way people hear about Earmark is our podcast and then the other podcasts we help people produce. And then we put other shows on the platform and offer CP so they promote it. 
Mm-hmm. So like you can get word of mouth through a podcast that you can never get. And that's f- basically free, which is a lot better than paying Facebook to advertise your, your product. So I've got my own platform now to advertise basically, which is incredibly valuable, right? So you can look at it like an investment in that, in that sense. But like also, you know, you have to really, you have to be passionate about it. You have to care about it. You can't just do it to make money. There's, there's better ways. If you just want to make money in this world, there's better ways to do it than podcasting, <laughs> you know? And the, sure. it, it, you know, the first yeah. person. So you gotta, that. you gotta have, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, maybe it's because I read the news and I just see all these frauds, but like, if you really just want to make money and you don't care about anyone or anything else, just steal it. And there's a like, you know, Clipping there's, not, there's a lot of clipping not a, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> is there a way there is a disclaimer for like, this is not legal advice. This is not financial advice. This is not business model advice, guys. Just Thank you for doing that. Do, yeah. <laughs> do whatever you want, but this is not business advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on that note, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. I mean, it's a uh, blunt truth about the world. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. But no, you're right. I mean, like look, podcasting uh, and again, everything that you said is absolutely amazing. And it's hundred percent true to, to your story. Right. But again, caveated with the fact that it was after five years of consistently not missing a week, which is incredibly yeah. hard to do incredibly hard to do and then you're getting the benefit of it five years later and again that's because it's like you know you you had something that was a passionate topic to you you could put in the time into it eventually it grew and it made became an income source uh, a lot of our clients for example come the other way around they are businesses that are looking to have a podcast to find a way to um as a marketing channel for their business uh, or as a client acquisition channel or as an seo channel and we see that we, we always tell them look yeah. Okay, then be very intentional that this is why you're doing it. And when yeah. we come to you after the first 10 episodes and you've only got 100 total downloads on 10 episodes, that's fine and that's normal. And either you're in this for the long haul or we're going to make sure we get all the other benefits that podcasting can give you in the short term. But that vanity metric, you're not going to see that grow anytime soon. One, and the other mistake is to think that your podcast is going to generate a bunch of leads for you. Right. If you're a professional services bat. business, right. Or it's going to directly generate sales. Like it's not, <laughs> you know, like that's not, uh, it's not going to do that in big numbers, uh, mm-hmm. immediately. So like, that's Not why you have to use it. It's a way to generate educational content. You know, in marketing speak, it's a mid funnel asset. You know, a podcast is not top of funnel. It's not going to bring in a bunch of people looking for your, your products and services at the beginning anyway. So. It's something that you have an email list. You already have people that you know. You send out your podcast episodes to educate them, right? To give them value so that they stay nurture. nurtured in your, in your, yeah, you nurture them, right? In the marketing lingo. And that's what the podcast is about. And then, you know, maybe you can use the clips on social media to try to drive more top of funnel, but like, I wouldn't make that your priority. Amazing. Blake, thank you so much for coming on uh, B2B Podcast Stories. I think a lot of people yeah. are going to learn a lot from this for this episode particularly. And um, if you can find out more about you and your podcast, where should they go? What should they Google? What should they look up? Super easy. BlakeOliver.com. That's my website. Wow. Go there and find my podcast, subscribe to my newsletter, follow me on social media, all that fun stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much, Blake. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. 
We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com. Have a great day.